Garrett, we're back. And we're doing a role reversal this week a little bit. It, it, it feels a little weird. It like, does. I, I don't, I thought about this right as you're about to hit record. I thought, what are our faithful listeners going to do? What are they going to think about? Like, is this going to rock their world? Yeah. That Jeff is the first voice that they hear. I, it's weird for me. I'm a little uncomfortable with it, if I'm being honest. That, as I said, I, I think my opening line was, Garrett, we're doing a role reversal. So, what is that, like seven words? And it felt weird. I didn't like it. We got to start over. So, let's just, we'll, we'll make this our, our cold open. But really, do you want to start the show? I think you need to start the show. Welcome to Give Him Hell, Brigham, Jeff. It's another week. We're back. We're both on vacation right now, so it's a little weird. I'm on my phone because, you know, internet problems out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you're about to walk out the door on your vacation of your own. Right. But do you have money to go on vacation after you had your debacle with buying all of your trading cards? So the trading cards was a bad idea, but I think I'm going to get bailed out. So I got in this pack... The first card that I opened up, in fact, so there was there was six packs of 18 cards. The very first card that I saw was an autographed Travis Etienne card that was serial numbered number six out of nine. So I I mean, it's rare. That's a that's a that, that's a nice get. That's a nice get. And then there were a handful of other autographs that I, I you know, I'll be able to recoup some money on. Um, and then just this morning, so I've had the, the pack for about a week now. And just this morning, I was looking through some of the ones that I had kind of discarded and, and you know, in my like, this isn't going to ever matter pile. And as I was re-looking through those, I found a Justin Herbert card that was number 29 out of 49 that I had missed the serial number on it. It wasn't like a rookie card or anything fancy. So I just kind of like passed over it. But then I caught it. It was like, oh, crap, this is one of 49. This is a big deal, too. So I think my little $350 investment, I, I'm probably going to, I mean, I'll at least recoup my money. I think I'll probably double, maybe triple my money. So all things considered, gambling pays off, folks. Like, that's what we learned. You better you better buy or you better get that uh, ETN card sold before the season starts. And yeah, the it, jacks it, are horrible. Right. And before everybody realizes he's a running back. So it's up, it's listed, it's on eBay. If there are any ETN like diehard fans, please go find it, buy it from me. Uh, it already has like 17 watchers or something like that. And if you've never, if you've never listed something on eBay and like hosted your own auction, the way that it typically works is it's listed for seven days. You'll get a handful of offers from days one through six and a half but then people will just like really watch it and everybody wants to time their offer right at the deadline. And so then within like the last like 30 minutes, you'll start going crazy if it's something that people want. So 17 watchers and it's been listed now for almost 24 hours. That's a good sign. I mean, it's going to get sold. And I think that I'm going to on that card alone, at least recoup the $350 that I shouldn't have spent. And there you go. I think that's kind of, that's a little surprised that people would be, willing to pay that much i guess honestly you be, being number six out of nine and being autographed like that was the double win of yeah. you people will pay extra just because they want to laugh at the serial number yeah it's true like five out of nine wouldn't have worked but six nine no. noise it works noise 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 so where are you headed on vacation it sounds like you're going to so uh, you're going, are you going glamping uh, no. Uh, well, I guess kind of. I, I wouldn't even pretend it's camping, right? Like I'm going into a national park, but I'm staying in a resort outside of the park. So I, I guess that's glamping. But like in my mind, I'm going to a resort and a national park is just kind of there. We're going back to Glacier. My dad and I had a fishing trip scheduled for this weekend, next weekend. I can't remember sometime this month for Father's Day. And he tweaked his back did something to his back and I'm fat and old anyway. So I probably couldn't stand in a river, even if he had a good back for like all day long. Um, so we decided that we're just going to go back up to Glacier. I, I raved about my trip to Glacier last summer with my wife. My dad's never been up there. So he wants to go and uh, we're going to go. We're going to make a good time out of it. Uh, I had it all booked out that we were going to play, you know, we're pre-rich, right? And my dad is not rich, but he's like, old man rich right like 
you're getting close to retirement and people just kind of have money like to blow on whatever well, well, it's, it's weird it's you you once you pay off your house and you're not feeding a bunch of kids and buying crap for new yeah. shoes and clothes for them every three months then you end up with a lot of money yeah money's just there to have so i had this trip planned out that we were going to rent a car we were going to stay in a you know like a holiday inn and we were going to be able to get up there for like a thousand bucks for our weekend trip and then plus food and, and you know whatever we decide to do uh I don't know where I'm staying. I know I'm up staying at like the Whitefish Montana Ski Resort. Uh, it's kind of like a little Park City town. Like it's super nice up there if you've never been there. Uh, they have a town that's just like a town, but then they have their resort town that's like ritzy. And we're staying in this like my dad booked it, this Airbnb. It's like 5,500 square feet. And anyway, he he increased my projections on what this was going to cost by like 500 times. And I guess he said i'm never gonna go up to the canada border again so we might as well enjoy it while we're there uh, he's got a thing against canada i don't know so we're gonna I go mean, and stay in luxury is i mean oh, glacier yeah. park does there is a glacier park on both sides of yeah, the border correct. so it, technique it's rounding you know whichever yeah. way you want to go uh if they let us through because i don't know what the covid rules are with going across the border i kind of want to make the trip up to banff while we're there and just it go the is, extra like three and a half hours and go if I can. It is closed. The yeah. and it kind of makes no rhyme or reason. So there's like if you are considered an essential worker, like you work in medicine or you're a trucker or something, you can you cross can the border. You don't have to be vaccinated, whatever you're considered essential. But currently, the CFL is petitioning the provincial governments to let the vaccinated American players across the border to play because they're yeah. not considered essential which doesn't make sense to me because if you're i feel like if you're vaccinated then why well, can't like, you go are, are we not done I, I don't know how canada i do some business with a guy in canada and we talked a couple of weeks ago and he i i told him he asked me about the vaccine and stuff and how it was available to everybody and i had got it a couple of months ago and uh, he set up in canada they're not even offering it yet to people in his area and he, he's an older guy, uh, own, a company owner. He's a little bit older, probably in his 50s, 60s, has a high-risk condition. Like somebody who in the state of Utah probably would have got this vaccine back in January or February, he still has not had it offered to him. So maybe Canada's just Canada. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, know. I don't know. So there's a lot Canada. of snow, the snowbirds the snowbirds right the people who come down there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of canadians that move down to yuma for the winter time mm, yeah, and okay. there's there's a bunch that will it's kind of weird it's kind of leveled off because like a bunch didn't come because they were like we don't know what we're gonna be able to do a bunch came and are staying for the summer instead of going home because if they want to go home they have to quarantine and even if they got vaccinated they still have to quarantine at least at the time, I don't know, our, our neighbors uh, that live across the street from us, well, they live across the street in the winter, are from Winnipeg, and so they were going they were going home, and it was like, you couldn't drive across, you had to fly, it was some like super weird thing, and they were basically going to have to stay in a hotel for a week and a half after they got home, Ooh. something weird. But so those, those, those hosers are going to those hosers are going to get a Yuma summer now, eh? Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I think they ended up going back because they're, they sold their house in Winnipeg and in the summer they live in a cabin on a lake, like an hour outside of Winnipeg. And then in the winter they come down and enjoy the nice weather in Arizona. So not a rough life. I feel like my Canada accent was pretty darn good. Today it, it was impressive. That was that way was like, better than David Attenborough last week. Way better than David Attenborough. Like you no. are, you sounded like you were born and raised in Manitoba. I have watched uh, a lot of Letterkenny, so I feel like I can talk like that. Um, speaking of the national park, though, I, I want to rant about this. I don't think every national park is doing it, but I know some of the smaller national parks are that they're requiring reservations for you to get into the park, which okay, great. I understand the thought process, the logic limit, you know, maybe it's a little bit of residual COVID control, but also just national parks are, are crowded all the time. It sucks. Right. So try to, to make it a better experience. Great. Get it. Going to the sun road at Nash, at uh, glacier national park. It is the attraction. Like there's tons of hikes and camping and things like that to do, but if it, it's, it's kind of like old faithful 
of Yellowstone. Right. Like you're going to Old Faithful, right? If you go to Yellowstone, but it's smaller. Like the park is smaller. There's not as many other Old Faithful like things to do at Glacier. It is like you're getting into backcountry backpacking or you're going to going to the Sun Road. That's it. They are doing reservations to go into going to the Sun Road. They didn't really do a great job, and this is across all national parks, not just Glacier specifically, of informing the public that this was happening. So they they let out 75% of their reservation tickets like two months ago, and they sold out really quickly. And then the remaining 25% of each day's reservation tickets go on sale two days before that calendar date. So I logged in earlier this week to try to get one of those because I didn't even know this was a thing 60 days ago when the 75% were first made available. There are only 150 tickets. So I, you're a math guy. You can very quickly do the math there. There's not very many tickets available in yeah, general. No. Are the, are the tickets per car? Per car. Like is it one? Yep. Okay. Per car. So there's 150. It's actually 145. 145 tickets are available per day for the foreseeable future. Uh, I logged in on, let's see, Wednesday? What is today? Today's Thursday. I logged in yesterday morning to try to get one for Friday. And they go on sale at eight o'clock. By 80007, they were gone. Like this is the biggest nightmare of a system. And it goes so fast and then everything just crashes. Like it's bananas. And if you read the reviews on this system, like everybody in the world hates it. The park employees hate it because they have zero control at the gate and they just have to like turn people around because nobody knows that this exists and they're turning people around at the gate now. Uh, people like who just drove to friggin' Canada to go see Glacier National Park are being told they can't because they weren't one of the 600 people who got a reservation ticket for that day. It's insane. On the one hand... I get that. But on the other hand, too, if you drive that far without planning and seeing what you need to do to actually get to where you want to go, that's on. Right? Well, like it's that's, true. You, you got to it's up to you to figure out the rules of the game you're playing. I think that's true. I also, though, I mean, I happened to see a tweet. And so I felt like. I mean, if I wouldn't have seen the tweet, I would have gone and been one of those people who didn't know the rules. Why? Because I was there less than a year ago. The rules have changed in that. Eight right. Months. So it's a little bit of a That's funny true. thing, but uh, at any rate, I did get one. So here's the story. Yesterday, 10 o'clock uh, in the night, some wonderful soul had a reservation ticket and could not use it. And so they actually went through. These are $2 tickets. Two bucks is all we're talking about. And they did the, the, the generous thing that they realized they weren't going to make it up to Glacier National Park. And they turned in their ticket for that day. Where most of us, it's a $2 ticket. Oh, crap, I can't go. I'm out two bucks. You don't think twice about it. Right. They actually turned it back in. And I just happened to be on the website at that time. And I was able to snatch up that one ticket. So now I'm going to go. Everything is fine. Uh, but if you're going to Glacier National Park or any national park that isn't Yellowstone, you may want to check this out because you might need a reservation ticket. I think Zion's. Uh, they have closed down several times recently because they're at capacity. So I would imagine that Zion's is going to be one of the parks that implements something like this in some facet. Uh, check it out. If you go to a national park this summer, you might need a ticket to do something and nobody has told you about it at all. So that is my, my warning. Usually we talk about finance or warnings of the world that the world is about to end. But today, National park warning. It's vacation season, folks. So be careful. Know what you're getting into. Yeah, and it and it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts because everybody's going on vacations right now. Even I went to look and I was looking at renting a car on Toro for when I'm gonna be in Utah next month, uh, so I can get to and from work because uh, I'm bringing my family up, whatever. And I looked at it like two weeks ago, and then because all the rental cars were like super expensive. So I looked at it two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, you know, do this. And then now I'm like, oh, shoot, even Turo is expensive. Like this, this rental business is, it's insane. Because right, I've, a lot of the rental companies, it's everyone, everybody and their dog wants to go on vacation right now. And the rental companies started selling off their fleet last year because they're like, we don't know when we're going to get enough business again. And used car prices are going up. 
we can sell our cars, you know, we can at least clear them off our books and get the cash back. And hey, like everybody else, it's a mess. Can't buy a new car to replenish their stock because new cars are going for like this the price of a I'm gonna say a small child. You can't get a full grown child for that cheap, but a small child you can get for the price of a car now. It's insane how expensive these things are. Yeah, you know, with the chip shortage, everything just everything is a mess. I'm we it's the supply chain needs to get back to normal. And, here's what's you know, it all it all started with that gorilla getting killed in the cincinnati zoo it did uh i it's, always said that it all is i always Harambe's said harambe fault. but everyone told me it was harambe and i never knew what it really oh. was here's oh, something I weird was harambe too. i did too it, it looks like harambe i bought into a semiconductor etf at the beginning of the year when when this all kind of started to to come up that these chips were going to be a problem so these these companies have never had more business, more demand for these semiconductors, right? Like they are right. these these chips for cars, and really, it's more than cars; it's everything. Uh, dude, my ETF has gone nowhere. Like their stock prices are flat, which I think is very strange to me, because it seemed like such a home run. It hasn't gone down, and I've made a little bit of money, but for it was like a semiconductor, yeah, and, and the rest of the portfolio was was things related to that part of the supply chain. So I thought for sure it was a slam dunk, and it's flat, and it's very confusing to me. I don't That's know why. Weird. The speaking of other financial things that keep you up at night, do I'm, do you ever lay in bed and you're like, man, I'm ready to go to sleep, close your eyes, and then you start thinking about that, and you're like, well, why is it that doing that? And then your kind of mind starts racing. Yeah. So last night, my experience with that, laying into bed, I was exhausted. You know, on vacation, kids are not screaming; they're sl- trying to sleep. Like whatever my wife you know i had to get up and work this morning kids are gonna have their cousins to run around and play with so she's like i'll stay up because i can nap during the day when the older kids can just you know take care of the kids whatever and i'm laying in bed exhausted about to close my eyes and then i start thinking are index funds ruining the economy is so many people like are so many people because if you know part of pricing a stock right is people is speculation right like you look at the financials you think whether it's a good buy a bad buy enough people start thinking it's good they buy more this price goes up enough people think it's bad they start selling price goes down you know whatever the normal like finding the market equilibrium price of the stock but if everybody follows the advice of an index fund like just put all your money in index funds no active management then everything is getting pumped up even the bad companies like there's nothing saying this is bad they should not get more money because if you're just putting in like oh this is you know a nasdaq total fund every single tech company that's listed is getting a little bit of your money yeah well and, i think i think that's a good and point. so does that can that create a, are we potentially creating a massive bubble because there's not enough speculation going on on the actual quality of the balance sheets and the PL of these companies i i think that's a good point funds when AMC and, and whoever else it was, GameStop, when they were going bananas at the beginning of the year, uh, most of Dude, those GameStop in- was going bananas or AMC well, was yeah, going, bananas, going bananas last week and BlackBerry <laughs> is going a little bit crazy this week. Uh, but when those meme stocks really started to like become mainstream and they were the, the, the you know, they made it to Kramer, right? Like CNBC was talking about them. Um, there were only a handful of funds managers who actually defended the 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 reddit boards right and, and what they were doing and defended the the day traders the robin hood type day traders and they said kind of the same thing of like these guys aren't doing anything that we don't do they're doing exactly they what have the they have they're the just, same they have the same amount of legal information available to them right right and legal is the keyword but they're just doing it for free on a reddit board and we say hey come to our fund we'll manage it for you but it's also just as irresponsible of that individual investor. We just throw on this label of responsible trading because I am giving my money to somebody else who claims to be responsible. And versus right. the Reddit board, I take the same information to make my own decision, and yet I'm irresponsible. I think it's a fair point. I also your 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 premise of of bringing this up brought this idea to my head that I read a few months ago. When you're laying in bed, and really just any time. When your mouth is closed and you're listening, you're sitting there by yourself, you're just whatever, is your tongue on the top of your mouth or on the bottom of your mouth? Mm, taking, top? Yeah, okay. So you are also 
Uh, I have it's yet like, to find it's right. It's behind. I mean, not like smashed like, stuff in mouth, but, but like behind, behind your front teeth. teeth. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, yep. according to what I read, there is nerve endings in your tongue that they, when it is at the top of your mouth, it sends synapses to your brain that you are having a conversation. So if you're laying there and your tongue is at the top of your mouth, your mind wants to have a conversation. And that's why people like people who have ADD typically rest their tongue at the top of their mouth. So I'll lay in bed and my tongue is always at the top of my mouth, but I'm always starting to have those conversations with myself in my brain about who knows what. I didn't know that people could have their tongue at the bottom of their mouth until I asked my wife who can go to sleep immediately if she wants to where her tongue is and she's like, yeah, it's at the bottom of my mouth. So I have been asking people this question for a long time now, since I read this for the last three or four months, and I have yet to find somebody who their resting tongue, for lack of a better word, is at the top or the bottom that that dif- like disputes this claim that the top of your tongue means your mind is going to water or the top of your mouth means that your mind is going to wander and the bottom of your mouth means that you're going to be able to shut your brain off not have conversations and go to sleep. I have yet to find an exception to that rule. I like, it feels awkward. I'm trying to rest with my tongue at the bottom of my mouth. And I like, it just feels weird. It's very uncomfortable, which tells me that you might have ADD and you might just sit there and are always having conversations in your head about something. And uh, yeah, because I think you and I are similar in that regard that if I try to put it at the bottom, like I, it is uncomfortable. It, it like feels like a, there's something in my mouth and I need to swallow it. Yeah. Like there's weird. some food sitting there. It's really weird, but try it, dude. Next time you can't go to sleep, try just laying there and making a conscious effort to put your tongue on the bottom of your mouth. I promise you, your brain will start to shut off because that's what it does. That's what it's been doing. Very weird. weird. Okay. I'm going to try this tonight. Uh, we do have BYU stuff to talk about. We've been going for like 20 minutes, but before Dude, we get we've into got, well, I was going to say, we've got more than BYU. Well, yeah, it is related to BYU because the, uh, and you know, I kind of prefaced this, the, so there was this, the college football playoff committee or the, I guess not the playoff committee, the college football playoff, the organization that puts on the college football playoff as releasing today a proposal for, so it's a good thing actually that we didn't record yesterday. It makes much more sense that we record today because they're release, they releasing a proposal um, of how they want to change the college football playoff. Now, as far as I'm aware, this is still going to be the playoff committee choosing things, which is crap. I want to bring back the BCS formula, but just apply that the most objective way possible to whatever standing situation, like however the number of seats, whatever, whoever gets to be included, but sort the list using the BCS formula. But, okay, here's the proposal. We're not going to eight. That's been the common thing, right, is five P5 champs, one top G5, and then two at large. The new proposal is, and you haven't read this yet, and it sounds like you may still be needed, but um, because you just – for those who cannot see, Jeff had a child run into the room, and so he had to quickly mute. He had to quickly mute his mic to avoid the background noise. But the uh, hey, we're on vacation is, mode, right, folks? I mean, this is what this is vacay mode. Yeah, twelve teams. Okay, the top six conference champions are in with six at largest. So last year, Oregon, the Pac-12 champion, would be sitting at home, and both Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina would have been in that top six highest conference champions. Okay. Now, so wait, most say this years, again. So probably the, not. Say nine this out again. Of 10 so times, the top six, the top six conference, highest rated conference champions, highest rated conference champions. So, so, okay. So not a de facto, like, I mean, it is a de facto P five plus one. So but a, there will, will be years like last year right. where there is a P five that is ranked lower than two conference champions so last year the sunbelt and the aac both had both had teams that were higher than the lowest p5 Interesting. and and so with that also being 12 teams seeds one through four get a buy okay and the opening round is seeds five through eight hosting nine through 12 on campus I like it. 
So I got, I got a lot of kids is, running into my room. Like I do. I have, I, yes. I have so many children. Like I know I only have three children and that there are listeners who have like 20. I get it, but I have three children and it feels like 400 and I don't know how people do this. It's the multiple personalities. Oh my it's, gosh. There's, there's a lot going on in your house, but Holy so moly. I think here's the thing. So this is getting proposed and I think this drastically changes the calculus enough. Yeah. This is go to the because Because, yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, AAC still sitting at 11. They could want a football only. We all but of I, our sports. So, so Boise. Like, like, aren't you taking a whack approach like this though? Right. Like, what is my gamble here? Right. Like, okay. Well, I mean, I, if you go to the mountain West, especially, I mean, obviously it depends on what boys is, but if you go to the mountain West, you, here's the thing. If BYU goes to the AAC, the American athletic conference, nine out of 10, 99 out of a hundred years will be that sixth champion. That's like true. Having, whereas boy, like if you are in the mountain West, Yes, you have to go through Boise. Whoever, you know, who knows how long Boise is going to be able to keep their run going. It's been incredible. But once you take that, like the trajectory of the rest of the schools outside of that, in the AAC, it's all going up. In the Mountain West, it's all going down. And the travel locations for fans, like I don't care about proximity, right? Because still, it is easier to get on a plane and fly from Salt Lake to Dallas than it is to get to Albuquerque to play New Mexico. And I'd rather go watch SMU. And so the, I mean, it being that, I mean, it really would make a difference. And, you know, Boise was reportedly talking to the AAC. They were potentially talking about going to 14. I mean, that still could happen. But Dennis Dodd reported earlier this week that Boise is no longer in conversations. And it largely hinged on, you know, they were saying we can't find somewhere else to park our other sports. And we need somewhere to send our other sports because we want to, if we want to go football only and we don't, and the AAC said, well, we don't want the rest of your other sports because travel to Boise when your next closest thing for is Tulsa for all the other sports does not make sense. Football is its own thing, right? Like it's, you're going to have four conference road games and you know, it's like three teams are going to like, you know, a couple teams are going to have to go out to Boise from the East coast a year. That's not, you know, that's not a big deal, right? Like your, your four conference, home game your four conference home games you know are going to be three of them are going to be teams from within your division and then you're going to have you know three of them are going to be teams within your division and then you'll have one from the other division so it's really like travel is not that big of a deal right going from texas if you know like going from texas to boise is not not a big fly at all same thing with provo but i think this can change things enough to where the aac living you know they've been harping that p6 that it legitimately would become reality. And I think this is genius but by here's, the CFP because it brings them more revenue by expanding the playoff. And it really gives them what they want. Like it gives them like, hey, we're still the P5. We're still in charge. We still got like the plus one. Like we're going to hand them something, but it leaves that outside chance. Now, the question I do have is how does the committee behavior change because of this right like are they going to start sandbagging like looking out for their own whatever which is why i said kind of meaning like we need to bring back the bcs formula and apply that get rid of the playoff committee or it needs to be live streamed like we want everything like they need to be in the room we want to see exactly what they're looking at friggin', we need the cnbc or not cnbc span that's the one that just is like literally a camera pointed in the rotunda the capital whatever the so we need a c-span we need cfp span is what we need and the and to get some transparency in there but on you know on the surface i love this proposal because i do too i I mean like i want more access but i also do understand that you know the max sucks most most sunbelt teams sunbelt of year sucks right like you get the occasional coastal was good last year app states kind of decent can they hang i don't know right but the it's going to give them the chance uh you know the actual odds of winning a championship are probably they're not any different, but you have the hope and the hope sells, right? Like you can be that 12 seed and somehow pull off a couple upsets and go, but it's going to be harder to do. I mean, it's really just as unlikely of you being the 12 seed and winning three games as it is, or yeah, four games, no, however it, many games that is, right? as it would be to somehow end up being the fourth seed and getting into so, the current thing. Like your, your odds are about the same, but you have the hope. 
So the six highest conference champions and then the other six are just straight at large bids, right? Yep. So yeah, the next so it would be the six highest non-champion. The non-champions so, just okay. So really, I mean, this is genius, right? Because it not only gives a it gives a path to the G5, it potentially gives multiple, like you know, most years, but maybe one or two years a decade, you'll have two G5 teams in. Stars have to align a little bit. I mean, and for the most part, like you know, the American conference champion is going to be that top team. And you know. But then also it does expand by having six at-large teams. You know, it does pave a way that, you know, there's going to be years where the playoff is like three SEC teams, three Big Ten teams, the Big 12 champ, the uh, ACC champ, the Pac-12 champ. And then you're going to have like the G5 champ and then two random other teams. Like it, it's going to be, it's going to pave the way to potentially have like four SEC teams in the playoff or four big 10 teams in the playoff. And that's exactly what they're. Yeah. Right. Like everybody, this is like as close to a win-win proposal. And it's kind of weird. Cause I never, I never thought nobody of this because ever I was always, thought about it. No. Cause we were always so tied to the idea of like P5 and G5, but they were like, well, let's just give the lip service, but then, you know, open it up more to everything else. And then that way, you know, protect ourselves from some like antitrust thing, you know, whatever. And it, it's kind of genius. Like I'm all on board with it now. I don't know, you know, if, you know, this heats up things with the American probably, and maybe, you know, it, where it changes that things a bit and it definitely makes sense. And there's probably so I'm sure Tom has already had some conversations. I think the conversation between Tom Homo and Kevin Worthen and Michael Resco are continuously ongoing, just in general about scheduling and things. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? I like it. I, I'm looking at BYU's schedules right now, just to see what it would what it would do. Because uh, conceivably, this probably it, let's pretend it passes tomorrow. It probably doesn't get implemented until 2023. I mean, 2022 yeah. would, I mean, certainly not 2022 or certainly not 2021. I would think 2022 is probably a rush. So probably 2023. I mean, is that fair? I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, BYU has currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, a full 12 game schedule. Two of those are, are, are AAC teams that could conceivably just be rolled into another schedule. AAC, let's say they stick to their eight-game conference schedule. BYU could keep, a, you know, four. They got to figure out what to do with six games, and, and, you know, two of those, three of those are Mountain West teams, and then Rice and Southern Utah. So, yeah, I mean, I think they could make that work without it being too painful that it to just to lend credence to the idea of accelerating the talks and quickly joining. Uh, I think you're right. Looking at 2024, kind of the same story. There's only 10 games on the schedule. Two of them are already against teams from the American now. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it could be done. And then by, you know, by 2025, you're out far enough ahead that you could figure it out. Uh, You can always, you know, just push games back or, I mean, interesting too, kind of while I'm thinking of this too, is so you mentioned the AAC keeping their eight game schedule, which the PAC 10 or PAC 12 for some stupid Larry Scott driven reason switched to a nine game schedule because then you could play everybody every other year, right? Like you could, you know, you switch off like every three years, whatever you get to play everybody. And the, so they did that, but it's always been stupid because it keep it hands an extra loss. Like don't do that. Go play an extra mountain West team and don't have, don't, beat up on yourself and that's the reason Oregon was ranked so low right like if the Pac-12 and you know you have a normal you have that extra game it's one less half of your conference teams will have one less loss guaranteed yep. uh, well not guaranteed but most likely most right likely. like schedule that cupcake like you, you know let's like look at the SEC they don't mess around playing these good non-com you know great non-conference they play a middle of the road team like a BYU right and then you know a solid but not great team some that'll be a respectable early season win they play a cupcake a couple cupcakes and then an FCS team right in the middle of the season. So they give themselves basically an extra bye week and the PAC 12 needs to do that, which even if BYU stays independent, if the PAC 12 adds, if the PAC 12 goes back to eight games, 
right. then that greatly, I mean, that makes scheduling way easier because I'm, mean, we scheduled a good number of Pac-12 teams and that's when they're limited. And now they need inventory. They don't want to stay on travel. They would prefer a regional rivalry. Like it would be a great thing. Even if we stay independent, if the Pac-12 were to move back to eight games, it would give us a lot of inventory to where we'd be playing two or three Pac-12 teams a year, which we are. So my, 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 my questions, and I don't know if we know the answers to these yet. One, where is Notre Dame? What happens to them? Are they officially in the AAC, the ACC now? Because their their membership last year was just because of COVID. It was like a COVID right. alignment to help with scheduling, right? So what happens with Notre Dame? They've said forever that they want to remain an, an independent. Uh, until we know what happens with Notre Dame, I'm not pulling the trigger on anything with BYU. Not that BYU is Notre Dame, but what is going on there? Because they're going to get some sort of automatic qualifier or something. We all know that. Can BYU leverage last year's success? Can they, uh, you know, can they get a similar type arrangement? Or is there an independent type arrangement? I don't know. The other thing that I... Similar to, you're thinking like similar to the... Because right now, Notre Dame's only access is right. They have, you know, New Year's Six access through the orange bowl tie-in they can only take that like once every three years or something they can qualify within their deal but that's through the their agreement with the acc and then when they've gone to the playoff twice like that's just because they were undefeated right and their brand was right. Notre Dame. Yep. like it was just yep. because they were noted and there is no like there is no like oh if you are an independent and you're in top this and whatever then you qualify or consider you know similar but you're kind of thinking if there's something similar similar to like how the bcs when they expanded the bcs and it was like you know, any G5 champion or non-AQ, whatever it was in the era is like any non-AQ champion that's ranked within the top 12 will automatically get to go to a game, even though, you know, even though. Yeah, well, because it's teams or whatever. Because so here's similar. what I'm here's what I'm thinking, right? Like Notre Dame is undefeated and ranked number three in the country, but they didn't win a conference. There's no way that Notre Dame is going to just be content saying, OK, we'll take the seventh seed, play an extra game and not get that, that buy, right. For being yeah. the fourth. So there's, there's gotta be something there. Right. So I don't think as far as I could tell the seating is not like, you know, the six conference champions are seated first and then oh, like okay. through six and then everyone else, it literally will just be, you know, the, like, I think it will just be the six champions get in and then the next, the six highest non-champions will get in. You sort that list one to whatever. And it may be, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, 12, 16, 17, 18, you know, whatever, because the, there will, can be gaps in there. But I think it will just be, you know, that way. It's not, because especially if you're doing four buys, you can't say like, oh, well, the top four, you know, yeah. conference champions will get buys. And then you'll have two conference champions that will host the first round. And then everyone else, like, it kind of gets sticky. So I imagine it will just be, these are the 12 teams that come in and then we will seed those 12 once you are in the pool it's interesting i guess i mean on the surface it's like yeah byu needs to join a conference to get into that top six but mike i mean i think the question becomes can they get there with 12 right like uh coastal carolina was the number 12 team last year And, and granted last year was a funny year but coastal was was number 12 and okay I mean, let's let's look at a, a, a 2019, a more normal year, right? Final CFP rankings for 2019. It's it's interesting to me because could BYU be? Could there be a second G5 school that would get in? And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, 2012, maybe 2019 is the more normal year where there wasn't a G5 team in the top. 15 in the top Boise at number 19. So maybe that's more of the, the normal year. Anyway, what, 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 cause what, I mean, what you said at the beginning of this is it's like, does the American always get that bid? I don't know. Right. And I don't think BYU beats, I don't think BYU wins the American looking at like maybe in 2020, maybe they knock off Cincinnati, but looking at the years prior, I don't think BYU wins the American since it's since its inception. Maybe no. 2016, because 2016 was a decent year for BYU, and it ended up being Navy losing to Temple, an unranked Temple team 
in the conference championship. So maybe they could compete in 2016, but they're not beating UCF in 2017, 2018. They're probably not beating Memphis in 2019. And they're not beating Houston in 2015. And they're not beating Houston 2015. So it's, I don't know. But if we go back and we look at the Mountain West, if we look at where Boise has finished ranked, now granted Boise had a loss, but they finished as the highest ranked G5 in 2019. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I mean that that's highest ranked G5 after the. Yeah, yeah, you're I mean, right. After, cause, cause, because they, they, they Boise, still don't qualify. The realignment, yep. They've only gone once, right? Like Boise has gone the first year they played Ole Miss in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, it was their last year with Peterson and or first year with Harson. And they, you know, and that was it. Right. It was the first year with Harson. Yeah. And that was it. And they played in the Fiesta Bowl and they were ranked like number 21. Right. Like it's the respect, like just across the board in the rankings. And everyone knows this. You can ask anybody in just the American is much more respected and is definitely the American is seen in no man's land between the P5 and the G4. And Boise is firmly in the, oh, you're in the Mountain West. Your schedule doesn't mean as much. Like it does not carry the same respect in terms of writers, in terms of, you know, AP voters and the coaches poll. Like it just not, it does not carry the same clout. So, you know, it kind of where it can change things though is yes, while BYU is not, you know, it, it's long-term, right? Like it's not necessarily like, oh, how many years will you actually win it and get to go to the said playoff? But it's okay. Well, if you are going to the playoff every year. It does become a de facto, you know, really it becomes P6 because you're getting it every year. Then you get more money. You know, it's a bigger TV do maybe at play. You get a deal, you know, more in line with what the Big East had relative to the rest of the other five conferences back in the day, you know, where it's like, yes, you're the sixth conference, but you're still definitely a cut above everybody else. Are you getting, um, you know, is, you know, still the third player as the whole profile of things raises? Does that, you know, how does that help recruiting in terms of stability? And there are a lot of benefits to it that right now, financially, and with the current structure, independence is the absolute, like 100% unequivocally the best thing. Go, I don't think there's any world where going back to the Mountain West ever makes sense. Because even then, like most years, and this is proven, right? Like six out of the seven years, yeah, that the CFP has existed, the Mountain West champion was not the top dog. The only one that was there was Boise. And that was the first year after Chris Peterson left. And that was still riding kind of the tail of end of the Chris Peterson wonder years. Right. And it's, but nobody in the mountain West gets nearly the respect as whoever it is, where it's like, I think pretty much 100% of the college football community will agree that the AAC champion can go toe to toe with anybody in any yeah. year. May not win all of them, but whoever did, and it may have a lot of turnover of who that is year to year, but it's, they're going to go toe to toe with them. And it's, you know, they have a lot of great teams, but don't have a lot of great programs. Right. Yeah. Where it's like consistently. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to follow, but I think this, if this proposal goes through and is accepted, it changes things. I also wonder what stipulations are there if, you know, the WAC is trying to bring back and they're starting as an FCS conference, but they all want to move up to FBS. What happens if a new FBS conference forms? And does it say, oh, there's a kicker. It's going to expand to 14, you know, to allow the set top seven, or is it still just going to be like, no, it's the top six. And so you are what you are, or, you know, how does that affect payouts, right? Because right now it's kind of iffy. Notre Dame gets their own payout, but BYU shares stuff with Army, UMass, Liberty, and New Mexico State. And so it's like, you know, just in Yukon, does that change things like where there's a, des- you know, a designated thing? Like how does the pie change if a new FBS conference forms or like do the other conferences have to vote them in? And so it's like, you can, you know, you, yes, you can be FBS, but you're still going to regular role games. You're not part of this deal. Because so, until it's up for negotiation, like there's a lot of details that I'm interested to see. Follow. Yeah. Well, there's a ton that uh, I'm really intrigued. And so far on the surface and, and off of this conversation, uh, I'm on board. What I think is funny, uh, and I don't know if funny is the right word, but here's what I think is funny. PFF just released their uh, top, uh, their end of season projections. Here's their top 12. Alabama. So just you count the SEC teams as I rattle these off. Top 12, according to PFF, at the end of the year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Oregon. Okay, there's your top six. Everything's pretty spread out, right? Right. Number seven, Georgia. 
Texas A&M, yeah. Florida, yeah. Notre Dame, Four. Iowa, LSU. Five. Five out of 12 teams in the playoff coming from the SEC. Only one from the Pac-12, two Big Ten, one ACC, and one Big 12. I don't know if this is going to pass, man, because if you look at payouts and if it's paid out based on appearance, uh, those other Pac-12 or those other P5 commissioners, they know the reality and they're not going to want to give the SEC an even bigger advantage in terms of if they're going to get five twelfths of the payout, there's no way. At the same time, they don't want to, and maybe they'll put some cap, right? Like it's, you can't have more than four or something like that. And it's, you know, then you take the seventh best team. I'm sure they can work something out like that or like, you know, more than three. Um, But at the same time, so I would imagine that they come to some consensus on that but at the same time those other measures they don't want to admit defeat right like and it really comes down to i mean they're voting for everybody right like it's the you it's all 10 conferences voting so it's you know the big 10 is going to be on board with it because the sec because they know that they're probably going to you know they're going to split that with them and they're be the top things right like and it's then you have the other conference like the a the acc whatever florida state miami and clemson say everyone's going to go along with. And so if they think, well, like, well, we may be able to sneak in an extra one. Most years we're probably getting one anyway. So it doesn't matter. It's and interesting. like, so it's, they don't also want to defeat because they're also trying to sell to their boosters. Like, well, yeah, it's the sec now, but look with you, your money, like we can improve this and we've got this plan and pretty soon give it 10 years. We're going to be doing sec, you know, our, our programs, you know, every, everybody who pronounces it program thinks Believes that they, that they are elite. That's... Yes, they believe they are elite and <laughs> that they can morph their conference with the right, you know, the added money, whatever, that they can they can compete with them. That's and they're really, selling that. A really good identifier of a good program. It is, if you call it a program. Uh, Tom, Tom Homo, you call it a program, man. Like, you got to... <laughs> You got to step up your game where BYU is not going to make it to the next level until Tom Homo is at media day, which is in like a week and a half, by the way, uh, until Tom Homo is at media day. Will he be there though? Yeah, he he might be there via pre-recorded video conference. Yeah, this is bananas. Uh, There's going to be a ton of stuff to talk about. I wonder what it does. I mean, do, 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 is this the catalyst for like the big 12 and the pac 10, some of these other conferences, do they want to increase their chances, right? Like, does the Big 12 now go after Arizona, Arizona State, Nebraska, you know, some of these these schools that have been rumored to be flirting with the Pac-12 for years uh, that are currently in at another P5 conference? Does the Big 12 make a big push to get to 12 teams, to 14 teams? Does the Pac-10 try to increase their odds and, and get to 14 teams by – to... hey, Sneak a second team in. Yeah. And and how do we how do we increase the pot? If we add a high level San Diego State who is decent and respected, uh, does that change our profile if we have a two-loss Utah team and they have, you know, they went undefeated in their non-conference schedule and they beat San Diego State? I, I mean, I don't know, right? Like who knows? But I uh, the 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 ramifications I think will will make themselves known over the course of the next few weeks on the surface. I love it, but we all loved the CFP in, in, in its first round on the surface, right? It made all the sense in the world. And then as you started to unpeel it a little bit, it was like, wait, this isn't what we thought exactly. It was good, but it isn't what we thought. I'm anxious to see what we kind of think about over the course of the next couple of weeks while our tongues are at the top of the roof of our mouth and we're just running scenarios through our head. Uh, there is some BYU-specific news. This that was an ex- excellent callback, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I, Garrett is on his phone, so I'm kind of taking charge of the agenda and our transitions. And as we've discussed, I'm not very good at that. It is not. Uh, I, I I bring the uh, – I don't know what I bring. I bring the jokes. I bring the tangents. I bring the rants. Garrett brings the organization, the structure, and really the knowledge. And as we're doing this role reversal, it's a little bit weird. And also today, it's a little bit weird. I've had a cold. Well, I've had allergies really bad. And I've been taking some nasal spray that I learned today or yesterday that a side effect of this nasal spray is that I'm going to have a dry, scratchy throat. So I sound like a pubescent child a little bit. And the more I talk, the raspier my voice gets. I watched Tombstone over the weekend. 
uh, last week. And I feel like Sam Elliott, if you don't know who Sam Elliott is, Google him. You should know who Sam Elliott is. And I, I just feel a little bit lower and raspier the more I talk. So these transitions are a little weird for me. And it's because of that. But here we are. There is BYU specific news. We don't know how to say his last name. Trayson Bourget is probably the most accurate guess. Could be Trayson. Could be Borget. Could be Borget. If you're at a successful program, you probably are just calling him Trayson Burgett. I don't know how to say his last name, but QB target number one has officially manifested himself. Aaron Roderick uh, extended a scholarship offer to Trayson uh, at camp this week after a strong showing. Here is the most interesting fact about him. He is the quarterback who wears glasses. And I'm not talking like does he Aaron. wear them while like does he wear them while he's playing like in his helmet? I don't know if he's wearing them while he has a helmet on, but I know in like seven on sevens, he is wearing his glasses. And we're not talking like Eric Dickerson goggles. We're talking like you're going to class and you're sitting a little bit far away from the whiteboard. So you break out the glasses that help you do math. We're talking those glasses. That's what he wears. And I, here's what I love. Somebody replied to one of my tweets uh, when, when, when I said that he got an offer and they asked the question and said, is that quarterback wearing glasses? Trayson quoted it. And he said, no, that's the quarterback wearing glasses, which I love. I love this is, I I talked to a few people about him and I was like, what do we got to do to get him out of those glasses? And they were like, no, 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 that's him. That is his, that is his everything. He is the quarterback. I kind of love it. Like embrace it. Yeah. Well, and in this world of NIL stuff, uh, BYU could capitalize the hell out of the quarterback who wears glasses. And this kid could capitalize on that. Like, that's awesome. So he's got some swag and he can sling it. Like he, he, I, I'm really intrigued by him. He was formerly committed to Arizona. And then after their staff left, uh, he decommitted from Arizona tells me that he's being courted heavily by Northwestern Colorado and SMU at the moment. There are a number of other P five schools who are evaluating. He wants to make a decision quickly. I think he has a visit to Colorado. I think it's Colorado uh, next week, maybe a week and a half from now. And then I would anticipate him making a decision quickly thereafter. Uh, He likes BYU a lot. He's not LDS. He's got some family friends in Provo. That's the connection to the program. Uh, But he loves Coach Roderick. And BYU really, really likes him. Uh, He kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't know anything about this guy. And I felt like I had a pretty good pulse on who was being evaluated. Uh, So he kind of came out of nowhere. But he could end up being at BYU I, I feel really good about BYU's chances yeah I mean it's it seems like he wants a place where he can come in right away and it's you know I think he kind of knows where he's at and it seems like you know just what you're saying of his you know saying like oh I'm the quarterback of the classes like in terms of marketability like he's kind of it seems most branding and he kind of wants to go to a place where obviously he can be successful and obviously you know and Zach Wilson just being drafted this is huge and you know in terms of he can say like oh look I can go be here right like and be successful and it's you know if he committed to arizona uh it's not like he's getting chased down by usc or alabama like the kid can play you know he is not a slam dunk by any means but he's a very good prospect yeah yep i, and like I think him. he knows he can come in and brand himself right like i think he in c and i'm sure he's, he's approaching it smartly he's probably seen like how much do BYU fans love zach wilson right like what is the fan base like you know how things going and that makes a difference yeah, uh, and you're absolutely right. That's exactly what he's doing. I talked to him this week. Super nice guy. We're going to try to get him on the show here in the next few weeks. Uh, super nice guy. Really, really, really smart kid. Uh, I mean, he's being recruited by Northwestern. You got to be pretty smart, right? So uh, right. great dude. Uh, really excited about him. BYU's been offering offensive linemen like crazy, but really offering a lot of different players this week. That's what we expected. Camps are in full swing just this week after hosting, I think three or four unofficial visitors last week, BYU has hosted by my count, 93 unofficial visitors so far this week. And it is Thursday. I I thought you just threw down. I thought you just threw down a 93 as meaning like a, a butt ton. No, no, my friend, 93 is the number according to my count. And there are, I, I, I know of like 10 to 12 
that are scheduled sometime in the next week. And I think a couple of those are this week. They might get to 100 unofficial visitors this week alone. Now, those are those are guys spanning across like four or five different recruiting classes, but it's still unofficial visits. Um, BYU's done really well. They've, they've made an impression on a lot of different guys. Cody Hagan was there. Uh, a lot of people have asked about him and where BYU stands. BYU still feels really, really confident. I still feel confident. Uh, there's other schools, Stanford, Utah, that are in the mix for a guy like Cody Hagan, but uh, uh, BYU's doing everything they can. Um, all in all, I think it's been a really successful first 10 days of the non-dead period for BYU. No commitments yet, but uh, I, I think that's a little bit intentional. I don't think BYU wants to rack up a bunch of commitments right now. They want to make sure that they're getting the right guys. And so they're going through the process of evaluations and camps and, and all that good stuff. But 93, man, that's a real number. That's a, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, they, I, I'm interested to see it and it'd be interesting to follow the all O-line because it's just so many offers going out to a lot of guys who are very similar, right? Like it's, it seems like, you know, Daryl Funk has kind of identified a build and I'm, you know, some of it is him and some of it is probably Kalani and the rest of the offensive staff saying like, hey, this is what's working, this is what we can get, right? Um, but it's still just a lot of just big guys that are fast, right? And it's, you know, a lot of them, it's we're not going for huge offensive linemen. It's not like the super light, you know, the Mark Weber era, but it's like we're seeing a lot of those like 6'5", 275. That seems to be like the calling card frame that we are looking for in these online prospects. And we're finding a bunch of them and handing out offers like crazy. So it'll be interesting to see who kind of jumps on and you know takes advantage of that and who kind of waits around and sees you know like maybe they think they can get something bigger and get left in the dust because right now the transfer portal has kind of changed the market equilibrium of things and there's a lot of guys that are in the portal and are walking on other places because they don't have as many opportunities as they thought and with guys coming back and how they're counting initials and all these things like there's it's going to be a really really weird year and i was listening to a podcast earlier this week and is you know bud elliott was on and he was saying that there may be about 500 fewer high school signees this year than in previous years, which yeah. is a big deal. And so guys got to, you know, if you get an offer, you got to really think about jumping on it quickly. You do, you do. Uh, and it changes the games for schools, right? That they, they got to not accept offers so quickly sometimes. So we've talked about that in the past. Uh, Garrett, we're on vacation, man. And, and we brought this show for the people. Uh, we, I wanted to push out this week. I tried. We're a day late. But I was like, I was I tried, totally I DM'd, I actually, I DM'd Ryan Hancock and asked if he wanted to, uh, you know, if you, I texted him and was like, hey, uh, do you want to pinch hit for Jeff? He's sick. Like, I don't know. And uh, he must be actually working at his real job because he hasn't, he hasn't read it yet. And uh, he, uh. he, you know, he does have his reader seats on, but he hasn't read it yet. But I was like, you know, two days ago or yesterday was the 25th anniversary of his first major league career start. And so like and hit that been not and hit, you know, he's batting a thousand. How many MLB players have you talked to or met that are batting a thousand for their career? Not a lot. Not many. Okay. No. And he, no he never, Rose never did that. Ted no. Williams so never did that. Get, we need to get Ryan on the show to celebrate this 25th anniversary and also to have, uh, you know, celebrate his 25th anniversary. And then also, you know, just talk about like what recruiting was like in the nineties, like when he was getting recruited as a dual sport athlete, what does he think about the QB, the QB race and what's going on? I think yeah. it would be a fun, a fun off season episode. So Ryan, I know you're listening to this Texas back and uh, we need to catch up. It's been a while since I, since we talked and, but it, it, it's time yeah, to get I, you on the show. I agree. Uh, you know, we've been thinking a lot about this. Do we need more guests? You know, I'd like to think that people tune in to hear me and they tune in to hear you. But do we need more guests on this show? I think off season is prime for guests, right? Like right. to kind of get outside, you know, kind of just expand our horizons a bit. But if you have a guest, if someone you do want to get on, you can tag us, right? Like I've listened to other podcasts where I've seen something tag those and like, hey, this would be a good person on the show. And then they get and they track them down and manage them to get them on. So if you, if there's a guest that you want to see, tag them, tag it, reply to them or tweet at them, tag us and say, hey, you need to get on, give them help. And yeah. we'll try to make it happen. Yeah, we will. Uh, overall, good show. Now it's time to go vacation. I got to drive to Canada. You're already on your vacation. Uh, let your wife know that, that all hellions everywhere who are listening to this show, they thank you. They thank her, really, not you. They don't care. But they thank her for allowing you to step away for an hour and record a podcast while on vacation. 
I mean, I'm, I'm still working today. So this is, oh. I'm, I'm a half on vacation. I'm, I'm oh. doing a half day only because I've got like seven job interviews to do and we're hiring a mess people. So I'm, so, I'm in meetings all day. This was my one hour break that I had. So do we need to thank your employer then who I think your employer, like the boss, I don't know where you're at at the company, but the boss, 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 boss. I think he's a listener. So maybe we, we, uh, yes. Uh, Brock, I, you do listen to this, happen to listen to this episode. Uh, this is my lunch break. <laughs> awesome this is a good show enjoy the vacation i'm going to enjoy the vacation uh if you don't hear from us over the next couple of days that's why and if you don't hear from us next week we're dead but hopefully we can avoid that and we'll be back next week with another episode of give them hell brigham until then roll reversal give them hell garrett give them hell